Welcome to Don't Tell Baba, the conversational podcast with Middle Eastern flair. My name is Shireen and my co-host is Noor. And today we're going to be talking about sustainable fashion with our guest, Ahmad. Ahmad, introduce yourself to our audience. Hey everyone, my name is Omar Murad. I currently live here in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I moved here about seven years ago now. Um, I moved here at the age of 16 where I attended school at Wayne State University. Uh, I initially started as a software engineer until I realized how nerdy I will become if I started <laughs> coding for life. So I tried to uh, try to do that for a year until I switched to uh, accounting and global supply chain management where I found my passion in business. Awesome. That's so cool. That is awesome. So um, actually, <laughs> is accounting not nerdy? Yeah, it is pretty nerdy. I, don't even I was, was going to be like, did, did you really upgrade or? Um, so it's funny. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest. When I made the decision to switch to business, it wasn't like a seamless like, okay, these are the two majors I was about to do. Um, I switched to marketing and finance because I still wanted to you know, stay on track with the typical math oriented skill set, um, which is the mm-hmm. finance aspect, but mm-hmm. utilize my creative skill sets um, you know, through marketing just because I had that that vision for, you know, or that passion for like, you know, selling a brand, my, my internal brand, external brand, whatever it may be. Um, and then until I realized that, you know, finance, you could, you could do finance, but you know, if you do accounting, you can do both accounting and finance. So I wanted to leverage mm-hmm. those skill sets where, cause if you know, accounting, you basically know the, the past, what happened in the past from a financial standpoint. And then the only way to know how to fix yourself in the future is to know what happened in the past. So the finance aspect is essentially the future. <laughs> so by doing accounting, you basically knock two birds with one stone. And then with marketing, I quickly realized that I wasn't gaining the um, the exposure I wanted to at my school per se, just because the program wasn't um, as strong at the time. But also at the same time, um, I really felt that I had it, you know, kind of down pat. Um, I think marketing isn't something that can be taught. It's something that you just have. Um, it's a lot I tend of, to a, agree with that. A lot of it's confidence, you know, psychology. You know, I, let a, I read a lot of books about like, you know, um, social cues, body language. And, you know, that's, you know, that's like business 101 or marketing 101. Like to actually know how to sell yourself is to actually know like your consumer and know, especially like face to face. Then you... Then you take that and, you know, how do you apply that from a, like a strategic business model, you know? So, um, see, that's fascinating because you're saying some like very human experience things in terms of marketing, which I completely understand from a PR perspective. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to talk about it from a social media perspective because you don't get to see a lot of those things, the body language, the yes. <laughs> facial expression, but you still have to use those skills to leverage what people want to see it's it's fascinating it's very cool absolutely yeah and that's that's something that we're actually having you know difficulty with you know nowadays with what we're what we have going on you know the Mm -hmm. brand um, from a social media standpoint how do you you know do something raise awareness raise awareness in a way that it sticks constantly you know there are situations where we you know we completely you know say this is gonna you know be a gold mine and then it just doesn't work and then there's other instances where we do something and it doesn't seem like it'll be a huge impact and then next thing you know it's getting the most engagement you know the most likes the most reshares etc cetera, etc cetera. so we're quickly learning what is kind of the, the common theme at least for our, our current audience right now yeah i mean That's- it's a it's a it's an oversaturated 
tool that we're mm-hmm. all trying mm-hmm. to use. And it's so difficult because it is so oversaturated. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. We're, uh, we're having the same difficulties um, on the Baba Pods Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty wild that we have this... Um, because back in the day, to advertise or to market, you needed a fair amount of capital to get yourself in a newspaper, magazine, right. or on television, right. even on the radio. And now, literally everybody with a cell phone can say, hey, I'm starting a brand, and then just like goes ahead and does it. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of brands, why don't you tell us about Destroy World Save Earth? So, Destroy World Save Earth is a collective between me and a business partner of mine, Jordan Atkins, who's our creative chief creative officer, who's currently now in um, LA. He was in Calabasas when he first moved out there, um, and he went to CCS College of Creative Studies here in Detroit. Um, that's how we kind of got connected. I initially, you know, met Jordan as a uh, as as a as a customer more so than a friend um, nice. until I until I realized that you know later down the line he was going to become my best friend um, you know, simply just because you know I saw the passion that Jordan had um, quite frankly he was you know very well connected just well versed in the product development industry and honestly his passion just speaks for itself you know he's the kind of guy who just refuses to even look at you know famous people's Instagram pages because he doesn't want that to you know, affect his creative process, which I completely oh, you know, respect, cool. mm-hmm. even though it's difficult because I'm, I'm his best friend. So at the same time as a business partner, I'm not trying to mess up his creative flow, but I'm, I'll always be constantly <laughs> sending him something. It's like, I'm like, this is so cool. And he'd be like, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, how many times are we going to talk about this? And I'm like, come on, man, you know, I'm not doing this for purpose, but you know, this is cool. <laughs> but at the same time, like I do that solely to Either it's cool, you know, from a friendship standpoint, I'm sending that. And then at the same time, I'm, I'm doing it so that we're aware of what's happening in the current industry and how can we like do it better or just do it differently so that we're not, it doesn't seem like we're emulating someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I met Jordan, um, you know, he had his, he had a brand of his own. Um, and for a while, you know, it was doing very well. It was, you know, all over Detroit, you know. People, you know, like Big Sean, Jamie Foxx. I had what was it called? It was called, okay, so a little backstory. Um, his <laughs> brand was called Abid, and you guys are two, you know, female Arabic <laughs> Middle Easterners who understand what that term means. Now, for him, um, for other people, you know, it just means slave in Arabic, but to him it meant, you know, more because Jordan grew up in a African American slash Chaldean, which is essentially Iraqi. Um, you know, mm-hmm. demographic. And nice. he, you know, primarily was living with his Chaldean counterparts, his family members. And I guess for a while, there was a lack of, you know, exception, because you know how it is with the Middle Eastern community and the African American community. It's unfortunately, yeah. not as, not as um, mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as accepted uh, till this day, which is a very sad thing. Um, especially, mm-hmm. especially, you know, for someone who essentially is, you know, coming out, <laughs> you know, for to live his life and, you know, try to just get on with his life. So mm-hmm. um, he, I guess, had some negative remarks made to him in, in many aspects as he was growing up. And mm-hmm. what he wanted, that's so unfair. And what, I yeah, hate that. it is. And what he wanted to do with Abid is basically turn this negative connotation um, and use it as a form of strength, um, as a form of like a creative platform 
Um, mm-hmm. and he did, for him. yeah, and he did for many years and he did it very well. Um, I'll be honest, like he's created some signature looks. Um, one being like a black Panther, um, design, which mm. is actually on sale on our website today, but some of it's almost nice. sold out. And then, um, the famous Detroit riot, um, he was very influenced by like the riots in Detroit, um, way back when, just because, you know, his uncle was a black Panther and, um, you know, he just felt strongly about, you know, those negative remarks that, you know, he felt that he should be able to express himself, you know, through the form of art. 100%. How could you not? How could you not be inspired by a history like that? Honestly, that's really impressive. I mean, and everyone wishes they could reclaim the words that people have used to hurt them. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. So, um, but then, so, so that, he, his his brand, like, is does it, like, no longer exist? Have you guys just both merged into your brand now? In, in a sense, yes. Um, so the funny thing is, you know, our brands, you know, though they have completely different names, um, mm-hmm. you can both, you can, I, I, I'm thinking about this just now, they're both pretty vo- provocative names. Um, and that's the intent with, you mm-hmm. know, Jordan's old brand, Abid, and then our brand, Destroy World, Save Earth. Um, you know, the, the main aspects of what I think, you know, we, he's always stayed true to what he wants to do, which is kind of talk about kind of the real world stuff that many people don't want to talk about. And Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. we're, we're doing it in a lot, in a different way, but in a way where we can speak to everything, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. just about, you know, um, a lack of acceptance within your own community, but it's also about, you know, topics that are overlooked, you know, like, you know, the mm-hmm. issues that are happening in the Middle East or, um, you know, things that are disregarded like climate change or things that are shamed, mm-hmm, yeah. like being, you mm-hmm. know, not being accepted within a community. So I think that how this transpired is, you know, it was a cultivation of just a lot of ideas and like feelings and just like experiences like between me Jordan and, you know, even my business partner, RD, which I haven't gotten to that point to, you know, introduce him yet. But yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. When we all met, it was very, it was very quick, the energy that we got and fed off of each other. And we just knew that this is like the team that we need to have personally. Like it it was just, uh, it was a great feeling. That's beautiful. That's really cool. Thank you. Um, I I love it when when men are able to speak about their friendships in a kind and respectful and reverent manner. I feel like that that tends to be a little bit more rare. Yeah. So I like to see that that is what's happening in your management team. Thank you. So Ahmad, you are the CFO, is that right? So yeah, it's funny because we we play a, a number of hats collectively as a startup. You know, it's very difficult to you know, kind of pinpoint your, your exact title. So while Jordan is the creative officer, he does a lot of like our marketing, you know, for social media and like, you know, does a lot of the typical ad style posts. But um, I I do do a lot of the financials and the accounting. Uh, Thank God I just got my CPA this past April. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So that took me, you know, about a a year and a half to get while I was working full time and setting up the brand. So it was very time consuming and stressful, quite frankly. But, you know, I had to just kind of muscle through it because I knew while I knew I was doing this for my company that I work downtown, um, Mm -hmm. where I work downtown, 
I just realized that it's also a skill set that I should have, you know, for just general business going forward, because, you know, one, it's a respect thing, you know, people, you know, see your name, Omar Murat, comma, CPA, they look like, okay, this guy is trustworthy, he knows what he's talking about, he's paid mm-hmm. his dues. But at the same time, it, are, it's, it has skill sets, you know, from a tech standpoint, you know, there are a lot of things mm-hmm. that I learned that can benefit us, you know, financially, um, and how to, you know, just best, you know, strategize with the, the business. But I would say, you know, collectively, Jordan is the CCO, Chief Creative Officer. I am more so the CEO slash CFO. So those hats, you know, most CEOs nowadays have a, fi- have a huge, heavy financial background, but obviously they have mm-hmm. an ability to lead, you know, have that marketing strategy. It's it's not about being like in control of everything. It's more so about having various skill sets in different areas, but being able to tap into those at the right moments. Um and then, so, yeah, and then I'm going to pause you for, for one second. Sure. So can I share your age? Absolutely. Yeah, please. <laughs> you are a 24 year old CPA, CEO <laughs> and full-time employee. Also, you are speaking to us after the gym, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Thank you for that summary. Dude, yes. That's, that's that's Arab excellence, Nude. That's normal for us. Yeah, we Shall try. Out. We definitely try. We try. We try. We're <laughs> ambitious as hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the, Nude, that's we are. Nude, Nude, you're like, it's don't act like flabbergasted, Nude. You have like 15,000 side hustles. <laughs> yeah, but when's the last time I went to the gym? I'm a little jealous, I got to tell you. Nude, wow. you were literally <laughs> running all over Canada before your dog <laughs> threw you off a bicycle and you broke your freaking leg. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Forgot about that. Um, so... Again, very, very impressive, Ahmed. Thank you. Uh, incredible resume at only 24 years old. Um, so you've mentioned yourself and Jordan. Mm-hmm. Do you have anyone else um, working with you in your management team? Yes. So RD Malik Bushahri, he's um, – so the funny thing is we're all Middle Eastern, which is what's beautiful about this, um, you know, this collective management I love team. it. It's good. Yeah. So he's Persian. Um, I actually met RD – this is okay. This is post, you know, me and Jordan already setting up the brand. Um, mm-hmm. We had a few investor meetings and presentations where, um, you know, nothing, nothing like too formal, but more so like, you know, who's on board to start something. And what we wanted is to find someone that wanted to do better for themselves and for something that was greater than them. You know what I mean? Like not, not something that was strictly, you know, you know, for your own self gain, but for like, the, mm-hmm. the entire world or like a community of people. So mm-hmm. um, the the way we found RD is we, he actually entered at my company where I worked downtown, um, Ally Financial. And um, he, he was an intern, uh, not an intern of mine, but I was heavily involved in my company from, you know, I, I interned there twice. So I felt strongly about the internship program and kind of mm-hmm. like helping mentor people. And I think over the years that helped me develop like managerial skill sets and just, just overall how to like, be, sure. how, how to be empathetic and just kind of learn um, how you always have to be taught by someone and also teach someone in, in order to grow. So yeah. um, 100%. with RD, I, I saw him and I remembered that this guy, you know, I've seen him so many times and I, I couldn't like, you know, figure out who who he was until I realized that he was someone who used to play basketball with my cousin at the gym. 
Um, but oh, cool. little did I know he lives one in the same city that I live in, like probably 10, 15 minutes away from me. Very convenient for right. a business partner, huh. mind you, and a best yeah. friend. But um, he also worked at the same company as mine, right? So he interned for that entire summer, which is last um, summer and two, or this past summer. Uh, no, no, last summer. Yeah. So in 2018. <laughs> and yeah, so we just grew a strong bond. You know, we would just started taking, you know, lunches every, you know, for one hour a day. And then we quickly started, you know, talking about what are, you know, some of our interests are outside of work. Now, this was the, during the time where Bitcoin was, you know, heavily booming. Um, mm-hmm. So our, remember the day? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's still, it's still kind of, it still kind of is. I don't know where it's going to go. But um, this is when short, you know, RD, you know, was at a time where he just sold some Bitcoin and made some returns on it. And he would nice, congrats. Yeah, I know, but unfortunately, it wasn't as as he expected. You know, some people lost more than they should have. But um, he yeah. he wanted to do something humbling. He realized that um, you know when he was listening to us about the brand, and at least me when I was talking to him, he he realized that this is something cool. And I have no idea what this is about. Cause quite frankly, even RD will, you know, admit it to himself. He's like, I don't know anything about fashion. Like <laughs> he would literally be like, you know, he's not like a, he's not the kind of guy who just doesn't know how to dress well. Like he's a very, you know, like he very put together. It's just a matter of like, he hasn't been exposed to that kind of industry yet. And quite frankly, Again, I haven't been. Middle Eastern excellence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I haven't been either until <laughs> I put myself out there. And what I liked about RD is he literally put himself out there. He wanted to just try something new um, and just see what it's all about. You know, he had the the mentality of, you know, being exposed to different things and not being afraid or shy or nervous about it. So we invited him to a this one was a more formal meeting. And this was before we finalized, like, you know, who's going to be an investor slash partner. And initially, when we had this meeting, you know, I honestly, you know, knowing what he doesn't know about fashion, um, I was <laughs> not thinking this guy wanted to be on board. Like, <laughs> I thought, I thought he was just gonna be like, this is cool. But like, you know, like, I don't know if I'm down. Not for me. Not for me. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, everyone else that you know whether they were close to me or they were in the industry they just didn't work out like they they weren't there from the jump and i and i told jordan Mm -hmm. like you know over the years i've realized since starting this um i realized that if someone's not with you from the jump then they're not going to be with you you know through downfalls or you know the best of time Um, yeah that's pretty true and Mm -hmm. and obviously you have to give people the opportunity to kind of like you know prove you wrong and all that but you know when you're when you're so passionate about um you know uh, anything Anything. you have to kind of just be in sync with someone and we just all felt that from rd and he's the kind of guy that he didn't want any involvement he was like i just trust you guys and i believe in your vision like i want you to i want to see i want to see your vision through and if that means I have to just be that silent person in the background and I'm strictly being a financial investor, then I will do that happily. And then, you know, before we formed our operating agreement, um, me and Jordan quickly picked up on RD's, you know, skill sets. He actually went to Wayne State, the same school that I went to, actually. Um, and mm-hmm, he did nice. finance too. But what I didn't know is how intellectual RD is in a, in a manner of, you know, being a good people person. He's like, it's funny because we always joke about this. Jordan is like, um, he's on like the left-hand side. I'm on the right-hand side and RG is dead center <laughs> in the middle of the glue in between us. Um, 
That's beautiful. Yeah, the perfect Middle Eastern trio. <laughs> but um, yeah, so RD is a very good people person. And I, I, I really think that for him, he learned a lot of that, not through school, um, not uh, mostly through reading books. He's, he's actually the kind of guy that brought me back into reading books, um, more so self-developmental uh, self, self books, just because um, he realizes that that is the only way to continuously learn for basically almost free, you know, um, mm-hmm. versus freaking already is a king. <laughs> <laughs> we have three kings in this brand. We do. Oh, we do. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, RD is uh, the best ad I've had, you know, at least in the last couple of years. Um, I just, I can't think, you know, god more than i have honestly the fact that i met two of my favorite friends um who are both passionate about what they want to do and just like they want to better themselves and better the environment around them that's awesome more we need more people like the three of you thank you um Um, i have a question go ahead sure (laughs) <laughs> um, so the the way you've been speaking has been so like technical and rational and like business minded, mm-hmm. but ultimately this is a creative pursuit. Right. And sometimes rationality and oh, technicality yeah. don't mix. <laughs> How is it a struggle to like walk that line? Because Absolutely. I personally can't. <laughs> so what do you what do you do? Because once I'm in like the creative zone, mm-hmm. I don't really care about anything else. And it's completely separated from like the part of my brain that uh, is a scientist. Right. So, but mm-hmm. you guys have to walk the line because this is still a business and there's still money involved. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? How do you kind of stop yourself from getting too lost in the creativity? So that's funny that you mentioned that because that's something that we constantly... Um, battle every day we operate in business um and i would say it's mainly due to you know jordan's the creative guy right he Mm -hmm. he's the guy who you know knows what's right in terms of you know what's going to be most provocative what's going to be you know recepted by people the best and honestly like for me I have to like, you know, I have that creative sense, but I have to draw a fine line of like, okay, we're spending way too much on marketing. Like we need to, we need to sell inventory. We need to prioritize like, you know, even, even like this, the small minuscule stuff, like, oh, like if you want to buy something for the brand, like buy through the business account, because like, I can't really say it's a business expense ever. (laughs) Like if it's through your personal card, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like those little things that, that are so essential um, to get. And it's, it's very, it has to be routine based. So what we did is we decided to organize our lives a lot better. Um, So we're, you know, starting to incorporate, you know, things that I kind of learned through, you know, a larger corporation. So, you know, to be big, you have to kind of learn what bigger companies do and how can you kind of simplify Mm -hmm. that and bring that into a smaller business while maintaining the integrity of trying to grow. Um, So, I just try to emulate what we do at, at our company um, from an organizational standpoint, just to be more mm-hmm. efficient. So we're starting to use like this app called Slack. So Slack, we you can have different threads where as a business, like I think you guys could even do this for yourselves, quite frankly, you can create different threads, one for like marketing, one for business. So like my business one is strictly for like legal stuff, financial stuff, things like that, or like partnerships or whatever. And then the marketing threads more about like, potential social media posts, you know, social media campaigns, um, things like that. So 
Um, we, Jordan, it's, it's tough again. It's really tough because we always have this back and forth and it's not argumentative. It's more kind of like what is going to be best for the brand, right? Like we have to talk about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always like RD seems to be the kind of guy who like literally sees both sides to each story, which is fine. Um, which is definitely <laughs> fine. Um, but at the same time, the, the biggest, the biggest barrier I would say when it comes to doing something like that, you know, the creative slash business dilemma is communication and communication is very tough when someone like your creative, uh, business partner is living in, um, LA and we're here. So it's like, you know, everything is, everything nowadays is so muted as far as like tone, social cues, body language, because you have, Mm -hmm. everything is through a digital platform of some sort Mm -hmm. and it's usually Mm -hmm. through the form of texting. So it's like a lot of things. I personally hate doing business. Um, what, you know, over text and personally, even Mm -hmm. with personal relationships, I'm the kind of guy who will just call you. Like if I don't even know you, I'm going to call you. It's like, I don't. Dude, I'm what, I'm what, I would like block you immediately. No. I would, I would block your number. I'd be like, dude. I'm a great guy though. I know it. So it's like, what the hell? You know what I mean? I would just block you on principle, even though I know you. I would be like, well, now I got to teach him a lesson. Well, oh, my so God. this is the thing. I... Like for me, if you can't understand, like you have to agree that, you know, talking in real life and or on the phone is very underrated compared to texting these days and texting is the cause of our own demise in terms of like just overall communication always just be- so you have to I think you have to agree with that. I don't know if you do. I mean is it I have to interject. I have to interject. Please I think interject. <laughs> number 1 number 1 is face to face communication. Mm. Yes. That is yes. After face to face communication, like Mm -hmm. hit me up on Insta or Facebook or WhatsApp. I'm not even sure where Mm -hmm. the text button is because I haven't texted anyone (laughs) in ages. There you go. Like, here's when you can call me. If you're my mom. (laughs) If you're my Baba. Oh wow. (laughs) If you're my brother. (laughs) Fair. Or if we have a date set up to do so. That's fair. (laughs) I do want to argue that what has led to or what has like really negatively impacted our ability to communicate with each other is more so social media than texting. For sure. So that's the thing that I that I deal with. So a little context as far as my communication issues over text is mainly stemming from a lot of the connections and, you know, just simple relationships I've developed in the past year or so have been solely from social media. So that's because, you know, people nowadays will quickly find your page and be like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. the accountant, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And and then eventually they'll find out your name. I write my name in Arabic because I kind of want to keep myself as an alias. And, you know, if anyone is Arabic, I'd rather it's not like, oh, I'd rather them know me versus, you know, like someone else mm-hmm. who's not Arabic. It's just a matter of like, I don't want to have to advertise myself like over social media. Cause like I, I've thought about creating like my own personal, like Instagram, like a Finsta of some sort, but um, mm-hmm. I just don't have time for that. Quite frankly, I'd rather just do my own page and then also the brand's page. But um, coming back to the topic of communication, um, a lot of the people I do meet is through social media and they get lost in the, the texting habits where they lose sense of 
you know, that human personality that mm-hmm. that's always nowadays. I see. Um, and I struggle with that because people aren't human anymore. Like they, they say they want to hang out, but do they really want to hang out? It's just like, what it's in that. <laughs> it's, it's like, what it's like, what are you saying? Like, you're just saying it because it's easy to text it. Right. But it's like, when you can call somebody and see, like, you can, you can change their mind that about something just solely because of your tone. Like if you're funny or whatever. So it's like, you do better business that way. You create better relationships that way. And I'm not just like overtly just calling someone because like, oh, this is beneficial to me. It's actually, usually it's because I'm driving. I, I'm, I'm literally on the move That's so true. much. So I can't be texting and driving. Like I'm trying to like live till my like 60s and not kill myself. Not to say it doesn't happen. And, you know, and occasionally I will do it. You know, I'm not, I'm guilty of that too. I'm not going to no. like but at the same time, like I prefer callings and that's why I do it. And a lot of people are like, what the hell? But you know, it works <laughs> yeah. It works out in any aspects because some girls like, you know, if you get a call from me and like, they're, they're like, okay, I'll answer and see what this guy wants. Next thing you know, they're just like, wow, like I'm shocked that he was able to do that. I've never talked to this person before. You know what I mean? Like just do it comfortably. You know, I'm, it's just, yeah, that's fair. It can be very, very awkward speaking on the phone with somebody whose voice you've never heard before. But that's the thing. You sometimes want to do that. Like, you know what I mean? You want to get a feel for, you know, who that person is. Yeah, I get you. Like mutually, like and on both fronts. And it's only beneficial in both aspects. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to be like, why didn't you answer my call if I've never talked to you? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But like, if you text me back, I'll be like, oh, I'm just calling to say what up type of thing or whatever. I'm driving. So like, that's usually the case. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that this turned into a don't text while driving a PSA because I literally <laughs> almost died over the summer because of this. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, not because afraid. I was texting, but because someone, someone else, else was texting. Yeah, no. My was car- it me? Nude, Mike, Nude, you were not in the car when I was accordioned in between two cars. Oh, man. Ooh. So rest in peace to my Honda Civic. Please, guys, don't text and drive. I, I feel you, though. I actually recently got into a car wreck myself. But, oh, sorry, um, dude. It sucks. It, and and I will, I'll admit it. It was not texting and driving. Like, the funny thing is when my bubba came and picked me up, um, yep. he, he literally was like, were you texting and driving? Like the first question. Right? And I'm like, no, I'm like, I swear to God, I did not. And I was like, trust me. Like I was blowing my nose. I was feeling ill. I was just coming back from LA. I was very worn out from the trip. Cause like we had, you know, a lot of stuff going on for the business. And, um, yeah, next thing, you know, I, you know, found myself in the back of someone's, uh, bumper. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I got that same thing. They're like, were you texting? I'm like, no, first of all, there's proof that I wasn't because I was like, no, I was listening to music. And the proof of that is that I never got my Florence and the machine CD back from my wrecked car. Cause it died. So oh, no. <laughs> anyway, that's funny. Yeah. So, uh recipes to my civic nobody text and drive please i want to talk about um i want to talk about the social aspects specifically as this relates to middle eastern culture Mm -hmm. you grew up with us in the united arab emirates um I've known you since you were a baby. I was just going to say, you were like a sweet little baby the whole time. I'm not sweet anymore. Damn. Thank you, guys. (laughs) You can be sweet, dude. Just own it. Okay. Um, So we're a sweet grown man. Yes. So fine. A sweet grown man now. Anyway. Thank you. um, So, so, you know, it's, uh, I, I do wonder, like, 
it, do you think there's like a stigma about men going into fashion, about being really into fashion? Because um, I'm sure you already know this, but I feel like even in the Middle East, although men love to take care of themselves, fashion is mm-hmm. very much like a feminine pursuit. Feminine being like the socially acceptable version of being feminine. Sure. So mm-hmm. is that something that you ever struggled with or when you were in the Middle East? Because you, you've always been interested in fashion, right? Absolutely. Um, is that did you feel like that was uncommon or there was like a weird stigma about it? So no, actually, I feel like growing up in you know the UAE, um, you know, you were surrounded by a lot of malls, as you know, like that was the day to day, you know, mm-hmm, lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, with stuff <laughs> that I simply just could not afford to buy at the time because obviously I was a you know I was a kid, um, and honestly, like you know, mm-hmm. we came from a humbling family where we didn't just spend left and right on brands and such, but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only natural from there that I would like gain an interest in just fashion. And, you know, when I came, you know, from um, UAE to the US, I kind of brought a lot of the little things that weren't a trend. Let's just put it that way. So like, things like skinny jeans weren't a thing here. So I definitely got made fun of initially until people realized really? until people realized that that was going to be the trend, you know, people were wearing umbrellas on top of their sneakers. Um, you know, those like crazy, <laughs> high, yeah, high, like super wide, like um, type of jeans. And I was like, uh, I'm mm-hmm. not into this, especially here in Detroit. You know, it's a very um, kind of a grimy city where it's a lot of like, you know, blue collar workers, you know, people who wear like super thick slash bigger, you know, baggier clothing. So um, I definitely felt, you know, a difference coming into Detroit from the UAE. But I think that's what allowed me to stand out. And I just had to be comfortable with myself. You know, even a lot of people, even with like my cousins, they would just joke about it. They weren't like trying to be an asshole or anything, but I think they were just not ready (laughs) or prepared to like kind of adopt this new way of like dressing up, you know, until this day, I'm still pretty loud at family functions. But at the same time, like, you know, they just understand like I'm a little different (laughs) when it comes to fashion. So, um, (laughs) But yeah, so yeah, I think I think Nuda and I can probably relate to that. I think she and I both dress in a really specific way mm-hmm. that doesn't really match yep. the outside, right? Um, yep, yep. But you know, I, I never for for myself, I never felt like there was much of a stigma about it because they're like, whatever, she's she's a woman. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just it just seems for some reason it seemed to me that maybe in the Middle East would be more of a struggle, maybe not having that interest, but expressing it right. heavily. Um, especially within your like when you're in a group of other boys who maybe do consider that feminine right no I absolutely agree Um, and I feel like nowadays too so you know back to the topic of like wearing baggy baggy type like streetwear type of clothing um, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of high-end brands you know the brands that I you know was growing up around you know back home um, in Abu Dhabi they're all Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Prada. They're all they're all essentially, you know, copying that or like trying to mix, you know, that European um high fashion vision with this element of grime and streetwear. And honestly, like that's where I kind of found the blend that works for me the most. So because I enjoyed streetwear, you know, I was once I moved here, my cousin heavily um, introduced me to rap and like, you know, the essence of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And he was a rapper himself um, growing up. So, nice. and 
knew, it, knew you met Moni. You remember him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't meet Moni. I've seen pictures of Moni. Hi, Moni. <laughs> Shout out, Moni. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's actually like an overall musician. You know, he plays guitar, music, everything. So it's funny because he actually had, we have very similar fashion uh, tastes. And for the longest time, he was one of the cousins that didn't fuck with like skinny jeans. So it's so funny to see him nowadays really? because he went from wearing like baggy LRG jeans, which is like a huge like cultural, like cultural like wave here back in the day, you know, for like people who are who were rappers and stuff. And now he has this like, you know, super European like streetwear slash like high end fashion look. Um, and I knew that that was going to be like the, the next thing. Um, and I literally just started like buying into all that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, it was pricey, but I quickly realized, you know, how to best shop for things like that. And honestly, a lot of it wasn't just about the brand name. It was the values that a lot of these companies have as like a business and how they treated their employees, like with respect and like pay them fairly. Um, that's when I started looking into just like you know, what it takes to actually be a, like a brand that is respected and has longevity, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could, I I feel like within your own brand, you could have made the choice to do like a fast fashion type of production, but, um, you obviously, and which would have been cheaper. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you obviously didn't. So, I have two questions. Mm-hmm. One, when is the Don't Tell Baba collab coming out? <laughs> and two, um, you, you're, so how you're concerned about climate change, right. I feel like. It's an understatement because you said you wanted to live until you're 60. And the first thing I thought was like, damn, that's ambitious. Like, what if the sun eats us before then? Um, <laughs> okay, but before that, like, are we still aiming for 60 as like old age? Because I feel like people are living to like sure. 95. No, 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 guess, no, I, I, yeah, that was longer. a rhetorical age. I'm sorry for like 60 yeah. out there. I will happily live <laughs> no, till 90 I, as long as i'm functional like i just want to be functional um but but my thing is too with that age Mm -hmm. thing i would rather like i want to retire like early so like if i can do that and live my life you know whatever happens after 60 like i'm indifferent about you know like i'm trying to like i'm trying to grind in my 20s and early 30s so that i don't have to work as hard so i can focus on family friends and such um even though that is a sacrifice that i'm doing today and it's heavily impacting my personal mm-hmm. life. Um, I think it's something that's necessary for me to grow and just, you know, be the man I want to be. Um, yeah, here's the, like that's the thing with like hustles, how it impacts our personal life. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think people talk about it enough because you know, like for me, um, I want to be a published author one day, so I work from nine to five, and I have to come here and write alone. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> right. It's a struggle. Absolutely. It's a struggle. Like f- striking that balance is so hard. And it's such a shame that we live in a world where money has so much power or where even like a nine to five is barely enough to live. Like it's, it's obscene, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. Like capitalism is failing because it's not giving us ample time to A, be social creatures and be, you know, pursue our passions. So I'm glad you brought that up. And see, go shop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm very happy you brought that up because that's a lot of the stuff that we want to speak to as a brand, just like how capitalism and just overall corruption and greed has led to our inability to grow um, as 
as a human race um, and be accepting of different viewpoints and just like, you know, I feel like these days we can't even debate things. It's like, no, it's like, I'm right and you're wrong. And it's on both, it's on both sides. Like, that's why like mm-hmm. when we, when we take a stance on something, it's never really a stance. It's actually like our, our brand name is destroy world, save earth. Like I, it's a, it's a very <laughs> ironic name. It's like, which one is it? Everyone's confused by it, but it's like, that's the point. It's like, which side are you on? Are you the person who destroys it or saves it? Now, we are obviously the people who are trying to save it because we're strictly, mm-hmm. you know, providing initiatives, whether it's, you know, planting a tree per tea, per, per tea purchased or, you know, like using low impact dyes, uh, low carbon neutral, um, you know, like transportation, um, you know, simply just producing at non, you know, at at factories that aren't you know sweatshop oriented like you Mm -hmm. know like we had the you know back to like you know your topic about climate change and manufacturing like a fast fashion um business we saw a an opportunity to actually you know produce in china we actually had a connection that would have provided you know one of the best manufacturers in the industry out there but Mm -hmm. i you know i didn't feel good about doing it for various reasons and you know, I'll be honest at the time, it wasn't, you know, from a super like climate oriented, you know, focus. Um, that was mostly Jordan's, uh, vision, um, because he's, you know, living in California where a lot of people are very vegan, you know, they're super vegan. They're like all about, you know, the environment and obviously over, they have wildfires every other day. Exactly. So we're always on fire here. Yeah. (laughs) You guys are lit. I love it. And I'm actually, I'm actually shout out LA. I'm trying to move out there next year. I'm not going to lie, even though like I'm, I'm fearful to live on, you know, on hell on earth, but (laughs) at the same time, you'll probably live in the city. I I'm never impacted by the fires. I like see the smoke in the air and I'm like, yes, he actually was. So he lived in Calabasas, (laughs) um, with and literally they had to like evacuate. And I was like, you're joking. Right. And I was like, he's like, no bro. Like even Kanye is leaving his house. Like where I see, I see cause he was living right. You know, Jordan was literally living like where all the celebrities were living. Um, it was Mm -hmm. hilarious. Like he, he like saw like Kylie Kardashian, like just, just like every, everyone, just walking out of their houses and like dipping but like those are the people who are affected you know by things like that while they think they're so you know if they feel so strongly about that then like all right then stop investing in like a you know g-wagon mercedes that just guzzles a lot of energy you know like uh, oil and stuff yeah like it only the hypocrisy i know they only they only feel like it's worth it when they can commercial commercialize it and use it to their own gain i'm sorry like they they're gonna die like you know 34 years from now and it's not gonna impact them like it's gonna impact us or our kids um so the dilemma is yes we had the option to produce in a you know, fast fashion like setting in China, but I thought it would be better to one take advantage of the resources out in LA because LA has a design district of its own, similar to New York, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then LA has a lot of more, a lot more rep, like a better reputation when it comes to like producing in a better, you know, more mm-hmm. efficient and actually humane, humane manner. So. We did that, and I think the good thing about our strategy for doing that is, one, we have the ability to say this is a product made in USA. It is made in Mm -hmm. LA. It's made in LA. Like, that's huge in itself. And then, three, it's non-sweatshop, you know, and eventually we do want to work with organic cotton cotton materials, but we want to 
execute and grow the brand exponentially over time. We don't want to just provide everything. Like, you know, they always say, like, for example, on artists, like, if they're going to re- release an album, their first album's important, but what's more important? Their second one, their third, their fourth. Like, the, con- the ability to constantly be persistent and be consistent with quality and just growth. Um, and that's what we want to do with our brand. So, like, we started out, you know, with a lot of things. So, it's like, I don't know what brand comes out with their first collection and produces in America, produces in LA, you know, produces with a high quality fabric that's 14 ounces, that's almost a pound in weight. You know, that's a very heavy. Wow. Um, and it costs a lot. <laughs> like I, I people like are confused by the pricing, but I will be honest, like it costs a lot to make the shirt. Like we're not we're not like getting the the returns we need. And it's in a sense where we should be able to grow. We're we're funneling money. Like you have to spend money to make money in this business. Of and course. While you are gonna break even or do a little bit better than break even, you're gonna literally spend your money elsewhere, like marketing. Like obviously we do a lot and we're constantly posting like almost every day. Um, you know, we're taking trips back and forth to LA, to Chicago, to Toronto. So we're just trying to like, you know, grow the brand, but in a in a tasteful way. But uh, producing in LA was also a struggle. Um, they don't have the, I guess, the technical know-how that you know Chinese manufacturers would obviously have. There's a reason for mm-hmm. for it. Um, and from a business mindset, like I'll be honest, Trump ruined everything in this regard. From like a, <laughs> from a, from a, like export and import process, like I'm like oh, I'm yeah. not gonna get my you know. You know, three thousand dollars worth of goods. Oh, I don't even know how many goods. It would have been so much more from China, but um, like, I'm not gonna have my stuff stuck at the border just because some guy is like, I don't want to fucking fuck with China. Like, are you shitting me? No, I'm not gonna do that. I don't have time for that. And I, quite frankly, we're like still new in the game, so I was like, I don't even want to learn how to deal with that. You know, like, like, yeah, you know, they say when you import stuff from like overseas, you actually need to like literally like detail by detail, like by weight, like by metric, by whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. say what it is. If anything's wrong, they will not let that in, and they will purposely like hold your shit at the customs. Like they don't, they just don't want you to like operate because that way they can make get money out of you. It's just again, it comes back to that corruption and greed. Like they don't want you to flourish. Like that's the thing that's sad about like the American. Um, like the American like dream that used to be a common mm-hmm. thing <laughs> or the Canadian one. I feel like I'm sure there's a lot of policies in place and like institutions that are purposely there. Oh, no, no, no. The Canadian dream. No, no. The Canadian dream is uh, just to apologize to everybody that you uh, walk. Past. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I mean, but, I, but the King of Canada, I'm sorry. I love yeah. us. Yes, it's we're here too. <laughs> but the pro- the problem is uh, capitalism is like a worldwide thing. We like focus yes. so heavily on the United States yep. because, you know, we're in the news a lot. Yes. Uh, just, there's a lot happening here all the time. Absolutely. But this problem is like, it's everywhere. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is just like everywhere, you know, because and I don't I think maybe I've mentioned this before, but Nuj knows this. One of my pet peeves is when people are like, oh, my God, why can't America be more like Canada? And I'm like, OK, get woke. No. They're both bad. Like, everywhere no, everywhere both- is bad. Like, that's the thing. Though. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm a firm believer that, yes, like a lot of it stems from here simply because of our global influence, um, not by like, oh, I'm American, like, ha ha ha, like America. Like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, we have that. <laughs> no, much- it's a, we have an impact. We do. And that's why. I'm like, 
I'm, it's kind of a shame to see how politics plays a role in a lot of like social issues, you know, and it's like, it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be the case. It should be social issues, you know, controlling the government versus the government controlling. Yes. And yeah, and that's where, that's where it's tough these days. But yeah, like, you know, we see, we see the corruption and greed everywhere. Like, you know, I'm not going to lie, but like, it's nice to be able to talk about it now being here, but like it occurs in the Middle East, it occurs in the UAE, you know, it's, it's, it's always been an issue. So, um, yeah. And we were so heavily sheltered from it in the UAE because I never had these conversations when I lived there. Oh, I have. I did, but I was scared about it because, you know, how things were censored there and uh, and such. But, you know, I, I definitely yeah. had to be very careful. I, careful what I said. Um, I never said anything about the UAE, but I did. But I did talk about just world politics because, you know, it was it's all the same. Like I, you know, I, I and I hate to be that guy who said I I knew the whole time, but it's like I never I never had like faith in government. Um, like as sad as that sounds, I don't believe in like picking a side ever. Like that's why I don't think the Democratic slash Republican Party makes sense anymore. I think a unified like one independent party makes the most sense because you have yeah. people who are on the left or on the right or in between or like just depending on what the current issues are like you here's know? the problem with that though is um where's the democracy in right. that is the That's democracy true. on a law by law basis right because that would make sense to me a law yes. by law vote yeah. i would love to see that Absolutely. but doesn't that just mean that citizens would spend literally every day in a voting booth yes so that's fair yeah and and the reason why i just don't agree with the two party system is strongly due to the fact that um there's just the lobbying behind the two party system is just exponentially like growing and it's just crazy how prevalent it is and you see it like they they tell you like oh this is how much they just got from this so-and-so company and it's like mm-hmm. all right on That's both on both sides it's benefiting these larger corporations versus these smaller businesses like to me like what the issue is nowadays is there's a lack of there's a lot it's not that they're doing something that's not smart because they're definitely doing something that's going to benefit someone in the in the smart way but it's not the right way now you could like instead of funding and helping all these organizations grow you could you know literally focus on education by focusing on education from the ground up you'll start having less crime you'll have people who are more successful they're going to start small businesses that all collectively pay taxes but can we people... can we just like can we just pause here for like yes. 3 seconds yep <clears throat> okay i need you to say again mm-hmm. we need to focus on education <laughs> can you just say that one more time for me <laughs> Well, uh, why? What did, what did I say? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, we're currently uh, new to striking. Ontario. Well, oh my God. This is an episode in and of itself, actually, that might be a mini episode that I want to <laughs> release just to like vent. Mm-hmm. Sure. But we're currently in a war with our provincial government, uh, which is the equivalent of the state government. Yeah. Um, so we we actually have to apply for the right to strike. Mm-hmm. We can't just, you oh, know, so strike. So it's not like America. Um, That's crazy. No, so we we got a strike day on Wednesday last week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing changed. Wow. We have another strike day on Wednesday mm-hmm. of the coming week, and we'll probably have one or two days of strike at a time until a resolution is found. Um, I personally, and I don't like to say this, but I personally believe that this is going to devolve into 
just riots right. unless something happens. Right. So when you say that education is what people should be spending money on, of course, I agree with that completely. Right. However, education does not provide short-term profitability. Of course. No, it doesn't. And that's what I was actually about to, that's what I was about to allude to. So like, like all these like bigger corporations and, you know, bigger institutions that are bigger than the average person, us, um, they -hmm. want the short term benefits. They do not want the long term benefits. And I was going to basically suggest that, um, strictly because of the core, the corporate greed or the typical, you know, quote unquote corporate greed. Um, Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was literally gonna just. It's funny that you just suggested mm-hmm. that. You know, it's um, it's tricky with politics, and you know, it's like you, yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to call you out, but like mm-hmm. I will. Um, sure. you, <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you wish that there was less of this huge divide, and I think a lot of people feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but your brand in being sustainable and wanting to save Earth is yep. inherently political and is choosing a side, isn't it? So so it's funny. Um, you can say that, but like individually as us businessmen, like mm-hmm. we, we make mistakes every day. Like I'm not going to say I'm perfect. Like I try to like reduce my plastic intake. Like I'm mm-hmm. not recycling as much because recycling actually is wor- it's worse than actually reusing plastic. Mm-hmm. Um Things like that, like um, I still eat meat, but I'm trying to cut down. But like we're still like mm-hmm. as as the as the common quote, um, you know, is said like we're all sinners, and it's like in this regard, I feel like we're sinning, like the sinning the world, or <laughs> like just like you know, like not treating it in in the way we should. But obviously, you know, we're not political. But hang on, sorry, yeah, I have a follow up to that mm-hmm. because yes, I also try to reduce my plastic use. Mm-hmm. I also try to reduce waste. Yeah. Um, anyone who follows my personal Instagram will know that I I like to refurbish, sure. I like to reuse, yep. I like to craft, mm-hmm. which means that things don't get thrown out, mm-hmm. they get repurposed. Right. Um, but I'm also not perfect, obviously. If I'm out and I'm thirsty, I'm buying a vitamin water. Right, exactly. Like, I'm not going to like, wait for If I glass. don't have a use <laughs> for that bottle. Here's the thing, though. Hmm. I think that by being aware and by attempting, yes. you're already doing your best. Exactly. The the responsibility now, and I'll use vitamin water as an example because I don't give a shit if they're pissed. At me. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is not sponsored by vitamin water. Yeah, sponsored by, <laughs> or by anyone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, but okay. So it's up to vitamin water to find a way to produce a beverage that is more sustainable. So when I go into the grocery store, I should have more options that don't cost an arm and a leg Mm -hmm. of things that I could purchase that will not cause as much of an impact to the environment. That's up to the corporations. As a consumer, all I have is what is available to me that I can afford. Right. Mm -hmm. That's actually was going to be one of my questions for Ahmad, because we want to all wear sustainable fashion. Well, we as in the people who actually think that climate change is real. but. so which isn't all of us but um, let's hope so so soon yeah yeah, so well they'll find out when we're all dead so right oh that's unfortunate (laughs) yeah and like at the very at the very last minute i know those republicans are going to be like it's god's will though and i won't get it's kind of true though they're not lying but they're also like all right are you really helping the situation no because they they would be like well we had no control over this anyway but my question is actually about accessibility because Mm -hmm. you you know it's very difficult because even your brand is like going out of its 
way to like, you know, it's made here in Los Angeles. It's right. uh, it's sustainable. You're using like the good dyes, the good fabric, whatever. But right. the real problem with like what we consider fair trade and like sure. ethical fashion is a lack of accessibility because right. in the in this world where, you know, our, our minimum wage hasn't changed for ages, like until Bernie Sanders was yelling about it, no mm-hmm. one was going to just give people a $15 minimum wage. Right. Um, so how do you how do you like battle that? Because you want your fashion is made for everybody, but right. but just the way the industry is kind of right. creates this barrier. Right. And I'm not gonna say it's easy given like the price points that typically are attached to like fair trade or sustainable clothing. But mm-hmm. you know, as Noor mentioned earlier, it's all about, you know, being aware and being you know, self-conscious about what you can and can't do. So for example, I had this debate like, uh, like with someone about, like we said, fast fashion, comma, trash fashion. Now, what we mm-hmm. were really speaking to and alluding to are companies like the Zara's, the H&M's, the Forever 21. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they are terrible as like, you know, a, like they are terrible in a sense of like, you know, their ethical values and mm-hmm. how they treat their employees. There have been, you know, countless scandals on their end. Um, as to how they treat their employees, but obviously, ninety mm-hmm. percent of their clothing go to, um, you know, the landfill, and that's ridiculous. Like, why? Like, why can't you just donate those to people who are homeless? Like, but it's the reason why people don't do that is because damage that will cost that will cost money and like their own reputation. They'll be like, oh, homeless people are wearing Zara now. Like, I don't want to wear that. Like, no, screw you guys. Like, that'll be actually a great marketing strategy for you. But, um. You know, like yes, it's expensive to buy sustainable clothing, but I'm I'm not even suggesting you have to go out of your way to buy sustainable or you know mm-hmm. you know uh, adopt that. But like I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of people who vintage shop, um, you know, or thrift shop. I don't whoop, personally whoop. do it as much, but um, you know, you can definitely do that or recycling, like you know, or just giving away your clothes. Like, don't just like throw it out. Like, why are you throwing mm-hmm. that out? Like, help somebody else with it. You know, like that's. Yeah. And you can do you can that could be said with everything that could be said with plastic. Like mm-hmm. I think we live in a in a world today where everything we want is in excess. And I'm a firm believer of just simplifying and being minimal for various reasons. Just because one, your own your own sanity is a lot better, and um, you quite frankly save a lot more money. So like you know when I buy these you know more expensive brands or like you know spend more on our brand to you know price it the way we do. It's for two reasons. One, to make things a lot simpler, where like we want to create a you know a company where or you know a, a garment that people want to wear for years and not just like forget about it a year from now. We want something mm. to be kind of timeless, but at the same time hold that quality, um, you know, while keeping in mind that sustainable focus. But um, that's why like a lot of my stuff is very essential based. Like I'm you know a lot of the stuff I wear is you know very similar to each other in terms of like color in terms of like how it looks but at the same time that that way i can just mix and match without having to live in that excess mindset that everyone does nowadays whether that's Mm -hmm. social media like eating like i i just it's just beyond me how much like people just want to consume 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 Mm -hmm. and not like live in the moment and just like enjoy what they do have um and the actual like like how much work goes into things these days is just very undervalued. Like I think. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, I also wanted to mention that with regards to Zara clothes, H&M clothes and Forever 21 clothes ending up in the landfill. Right. 
I think it's a two-parter. I have a question and a comment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, question first. Are those clothes winding up in the landfills from the factories or from the mm-hmm. consumers within several months of ownership? I guarantee you it's on both spectrums because one, the way Zara operates, their business model is they, and this is another reason why I don't agree with it, but it's, I'm not going to lie. It's a genius way of operating a business, but they literally rip off other people, other famous designers ideas, Mm -hmm. make it cheaper, manipulate it a little bit Mm -hmm. um, and have it at cheaper price points where literally like if someone from Louis Vuitton or whatever, you know, big fashion houses literally drop something, I guarantee you they'll make it next week. Um, and it'll be already operational and in stores. But the week after, the next thing is out, and then that thing is gone, or it's not sold, or it's heavily discounted. You know, it's already sold at ten dollars a piece. Who who knows? But right. um, I think it's definitely like there are both sides to blame. Um, and I think Zara, you know, that I mean, the owner of Zara is the richest man in the world. And if that doesn't tell you enough, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. really? Yes. He's uh he's half he's actually half Lebanese, half uh, Mexican, or I think oh, Spanish. For God's sake. I'm a yeah, little happy for him. I'm a little happy it's for sad. him. It's sad. Yes. It's sad. Uh, nude, nude. People aren't allowed to be billionaires. No, <laughs> nobody banned. absolutely That's, nobody's allowed to be a billionaire. be a billionaire. I will stand by that until the day I die. So However, how, yeah. how do you how do you feel about like someone like a Bill Gates then? You know, like for someone who is so intelligent and helps a lot with charity, like naturally he's just a billionaire because honestly, he just kills the game in every regard. Like, you know what I mean? Like Bill Gates, mm-hmm. Bill Gates mm-hmm. gives a lot and mm-hmm. I appreciate the giving ness yeah. of it. I, I don't I haven't done enough research into exactly where his uh, charities send money, how much money they send, whether they're Mm -hmm. impacting local communities and making them unable to sustain um, themselves. I don't know if he's hiring uh, local people in the places where his... Like, there are so many things that are important to me in a charity that I would have to research deeply before making a comment. However, Mm -hmm. on the surface idea of billionaires giving, yes, yes, give, give more, give faster. And instead of going to the other side of the world where, yes, it is valuable that those people are assisted in some ways to continue to decolonialize, because that's mm-hmm. what ha- what's happening right now. This isn't an inability to build. This is a direct impact of colonization and right. corrections need to be made. But Absolutely. corrections don't need to be made in the way that ownership and, um, Shushi, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, in a way that the community is suffering for it, basically. Right, and I mm. and I agree with that. Like it's a simple analogy. Like you know when you're on the when you're yeah. on a plane and they say you know like when the oxygen masks you know kind of like unfold and they say help yourself before you help oh, you others. have to help. The yeah. only way to yeah. like better the situation around you, or you know, is by focusing on yourself. And I feel like that's what you know countries, governments, uh, people should do because, and that's like what I you know think about every day, like. You know, like you said before, I you know got on this podcast. I just came from the gym. Like that alone to me is like a big step forward. Um, and like just the way I need mm-hmm. to think, the mm-hmm. way I need to approach my day, just provides discipline. And I think a lot of people have like that lack of discipline. Um, at you know, I agree. Any, at any level, but yeah. you definitely need to help yourself. Um, yeah, I okay. Um, I want to answer this question about Bill mm-hmm. Gates. There you actually. go. Please. Because I think it's um, so. Yeah, it's time for my podcast within a podcast, <laughs> Shireen's Socialist Corner. Um, I, I like 
the, I, the thing is with Bill Gates, and I don't know if you saw his little tiff with Elizabeth Warren I recently. I did not. Why? I heard about um, it, though. Yeah, his little tiff with Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren wants to heavily tax billionaires, yes. as she should. Yes. Um, be strong, queen. Right? Yes. But Bill Gates says... I don't know about that because I don't mind paying this much in taxes, this much in taxes, but like $10 billion. And I'm like, you'd still be a billionaire, Mm -hmm. Bill. So (laughs) here's the thing. And this actually reveals what is true about most billionaires is that they are inherently greedy. I don't think that there is any ethical way of accumulating that much money without exploiting people and underpaying them. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff Bezos is like a huge example of this. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people like to focus on Jeff Bezos because he is like the human embodiment of the (laughs) devil. Right. Um, But but the thing is. but you know, I, and I have people be like, "But Bill Gates gives to charity." Right. I don't give a shit. The thing is, I don't think I don't think we having like picking and choosing means that you picking and choosing means that the impact is so concentrated on things that you care about. That's which right. you need, what needs to happen is that you are taxed, and that money is going towards social right. security, Medicare, hospitals. You know, just like schools. hospitals, big. Big yep. things, not you being like, I gave a million laptops to a school sure. in right. Iraq, right? It's Great, that, thank you so that, much. But we have schools here right now, right. today, with computers that won't turn on. And hey, guess what happens to a kid who's supposed to be working on an assignment, but their computer doesn't turn on? Guess they what don't they don't do, do anything. They don't do anything. So the thing is, it's just you, but like from the get go, you cannot beat, there's no ethical way for you to get right. that much money. There isn't. And how much money do you really need? Not I, that didn't much. Didn't someone do the math? Like it would take Bill Gates like over 200 right. years to spend all of his money. Does right. he need it? How much and do him you want to bet? How much do you want to bet that if anyone has the secret to living 200 years, it's him? <laughs> Well, okay, no, because you know, rich, you know, so we have like organ transplant lists, right? So, you know, do you know that rich people are like, so like, say, say, for example, Jeff Bezos's liver failed, which it hasn't, but you know, like we can dream. (laughs) Um, So you know, it, ha- it hasn't, but like, say the liver transplant list is incredibly long. I was working like in the liver industry, I guess, mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very long. It's so hard for people to get a liver transplant for so many reasons. Um, as a rich person, you can find out that you can put yourself on lists in multiple cities and countries. And then when there's a hit, you can just fly over I and get it. it. But for your for your everyday person, for a child, for example, because I was working in pediatrics, who needs a liver transplant, their parents don't have the money to fly them all over the world to get a liver transplant. So the kid dies and Jeff Bezos gets his new liver. And like, that's the thing. There is you having that much money, having being able to do that is not ethical. The only way that you can address that is by supporting people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and saying, yes, you need to heavily tax me. These loopholes aren't okay. Instead of being like, well, Bill Gates actually saying like, oh, well, but like, I don't want to be taxed $10 billion. He's acting like he won't profit. He won't get that back. He will. (laughs) Right, right. And it's funny that you say that. I actually agree with you, Shushu, in many regards. Um, Yeah. And um, I'm not even defending Bill Gates. Like, quite frankly, I don't even like I like Noor. I just kind of threw that name out there because I don't I haven't done enough research myself. I just know he's he's the example, though. People use that as the example. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I know he's giving. Let's, you know, use quotation marks. You can't physically see me do it. But let's just say that. But um. 
Yeah. So like for me, I think also the issue is nowadays, um, you know, at any level of like, you know, experience and wisdom, I feel like there's like me, um, there's that difficulty of trusting politicians um, to mm-hmm. do the right job. And just knowing how the economic landscape is today, or the just a political landscape is, you know, when you're in the house, and again, I don't know much about politics, because I don't want to go down that path anytime yeah. soon. Um, and I don't care about it because quite frankly, I'd rather, like I said, focus on myself, better the thing, the people, my, you know, the people around me, and then hopefully grow out where it exponentially, you know, um, comes into play with other communities. So for me, I don't focus too much about that. I wish I could, and I had the time, but, um, you know, eventually I think it, it would happen. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, why don't you go into politics? I don't think I want to. I, the only thing I can do is be president because I'm not a you know, a born citizen from the US. But I don't <laughs> I don't think I want it. I don't think I want that job. But I think the difficulty is with people like the Bill Gates, the Bloombergs, you know, like the, the people who are very successful is they are think about it, they've been leaders in their own in their own sense for years. So like they have that power trip when someone's like, Oh, I'm gonna take your money and use it for this cause while it's always with good intentions. I think people have that lack of trust because while you have good intentions, like, can you really get it done? Like, I would hope so. But you know, like, we kind of we live in a world that like so many, there's so many barriers. And like, we know how that like the White House works, like, you have to beg and plead for something simple, like, you know, like educational funding or like the DACA, like, like everything. on corporations to exactly. produce sustainably so I think, and I think, I think it's a big trust um, issue, like as, 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 as funny as that sounds, because like we have them personally day in, day out, like at a smaller level. But I, I'm not saying that that's the right reason yeah. why, but I think, they, yeah. they, I, I just, you know, like they have difficulty yeah. accepting that someone's going to take $10 billion worth of their money and saying like, okay, I'm gonna do it, and you never know, it might just get washed down the drain. Like, I would hope that never happens. I like, I'm a firm believer that like, I will vote for like one of them. Like, I want to, but I just know that that's the difficulty with capitalistic thinking nowadays. And these guys mm-hmm. are, you know, they're they've been brought up in corporate America. Like, they have to be Republican because the only way they became the way they are is uh, (laughs) in a sense yeah yeah i mean they did i mean i have to believe that they're everyone's human so like i don't think everyone's evil like there's levels to this evil like realm that but like you know trump's like up there (laughs) yeah yeah so here's the thing i just don't think that billionaires like bill gates have the right to be suspicious because i don't have the privilege of being suspicious like i'm gonna get taxed so are you i'm like i I know we're gonna have to pay that's true we're going to have to pay taxes. We don't, you know, we don't have the right to be, we don't have the privilege of being suspicious because if we don't pay taxes, the IRS is oh, going to come will. And us. we don't have the legal loopholes yeah. like they do. You're right. You make they, a great literally. point. But I think, again, like we, I don't know. I'm not in their position. Like I have never, yeah. like. It, it is yeah. rooted in greed. Yes. It is rooted in greed. They're like these dragons sitting on their <laughs> hoard of money. The thing is for the politicians that we, for when you give money to a politician, you need to check their track record. Like I really like, like Bernie Sanders, right. if you look at his track record, like from the get go, yeah. he was like, 
he was doing what he could for the good of humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to look at Elizabeth Warren, maybe she's a little more capitalist, but she did go out, she has been fighting really hard to break up big banks. So the thing is, like if, if Bill Gates was if Bill Gates was having $10 billion taken from him by Donald Trump, fine, be suspicious. Sure. But God knows my money is probably going to the military that's being used to destroy my Absolutely. country. Oh, I agree. You there is that's the thing. He billionaires having the privilege of being like, I don't want to be taxed though is obscene in and of itself because the rest of us working yeah. class people are being heavily taxed and for lot, no and reason. A lot more. And we <laughs> a lot more. Yeah, and a lot more. And and we don't even get Enjoy to it. be suspicious because I don't want to go to jail. Right. <laughs> no, I you, okay, you that's I, a great point. No, I completely agree. I can't I, again I'm not even taking sides. I just like I don't like I said, I don't focus too much about it because I try not to. Like I don't want to take any sides because there's so many sides to this like everlasting conversation. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I hate to interrupt this um, very important topic. <laughs> like I said in an earlier episode, it would take approximately several years to get through everything that needs to be addressed on this topic. Right. I have a couple more questions about Destroy World, mm-hmm. Save Earth, yeah. uh, before we let you go back to your very very busy day. Um, okay, let's see. Hang on. I have to unlock my phone for some reason. And it didn't recognize my face because, of course, when you're trying to get something done. <laughs> no worries. Okay. So we learned a little bit about your production values, a little bit about your marketing, mm-hmm. a little bit about your background, yep. a little bit about your colleagues, um, a little bit about your name, which I love, by the way. Thank you. Um, We talked about the fashion business. We talked about being a man in fashion. Um, We talked about society's reactions, which is actually really funny. I did have a comment on Mm -hmm. that. You mentioned that you didn't feel too much judgment for being interested in fashion. You felt judgment more from what fashion you chose to wear when it wasn't necessarily trendy. It's interesting because I feel like men have more freedom to like more things, especially when they lead to profitability. Meanwhile, for women, being like, I don't know, here's a wild example, being super into cars, I think would be judged a little bit more harshly than a man being into fashion. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. Um, I have to say that that's probably just because people aren't accepting of others having different viewpoints. And I feel like the reason why I am different in that sense and why you guys are different, like you guys are obviously bringing me on to this podcast because you're like, wow, he's a Middle Eastern man doing fashion. But like, I fuck with it because it makes sense. Like, why not? But I think the thing is, is, and it always comes down to like this element of culture. And I always tell this to people. um, It's that ability to accept what other people think when it's different to what they think. So like, because I've traveled around the world and so have you guys, um, and we've lived in a community where there's a lot of diverse backgrounds and cultures, you have different ways of thinking. Now it Mm -hmm. might not be the right way or the way that you think is correct, whether, you know, it's not even, it's not even a down to morality or ethical thing. It's sometimes just down to like, Oh, this is what he likes. You know, I think Mm -hmm. because we're surrounded by that and, you know, thankfully we're brought up in a country that while it did have very negative, um, impacts on my life. And the reason why I had to move away was just, you know, it just, it just made sense to, I think I can't, I, I, I don't take the, the people and the, the mindset that I brought with me from the, from the UAE to the, to the U S, um, at all, because I think that being surrounded by those kinds of people 
and to see what people are doing right now, like what we're doing, what you guys are doing, like, I just love that. So I think it's, you know, it's having people kind of see different, like be more, being more open-minded, like meeting different people. And I think a lot of people just like, they're very clicky to what they do. Like they don't want to escape their current um, environment. And I think that's so wrong. Like that's what I had to do to actually get into this industry. What I did was when I first moved here, just before, shortly before I graduated um, college, I, that one summer is when I went Jordan, but I started like, I did one creative photo shoot. Um, I just did this crazy haircut (laughs) that for some reason that, everyone just really liked in the photography industry nice. where I basically like kind of shaved like half my head slash it was like almost like I was like the two-faced man from uh Batman <laughs> against Joker but, oh, that's cool. but, but people loved it and you know with the sense of like uh fashion that I had a lot of people wanted to shoot with me so that was my way of like networking and meeting people in the creative industry but don't get me wrong like I don't know what the hell I was doing like or who who these people are like I you know ended up taking you know, doing photo shoots and abandoned like houses, churches, like hospitals, like in some ghetto areas of Detroit, you know, um, I look back at it now. I'm like, would I have done that now? Probably not. But like, it was cool. And it was like quite the experience to do that because it was humbling to see why, like how, how crazy Detroit is like compared to Dubai. Like everyone's like, oh, you, you move from one, like from one like, amazing D to the terrible D, you know what I mean? Like from Dubai or like whatever. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's very humbling. Like there's kind of like a beauty in chaos almost. I, it is, it's weird to say that, but like um, you kind of have to speak to it because a lot of people don't know, like the city is so hardworking and there's so much hustle here, but like, it's sad because everyone leaves it because there's no resources or opportunities to grow um, because of these. See, if billionaires were taxed properly, <laughs> maybe Detroit would have some more yeah. opportunities. Oh, yeah. and, there's, and, there, hey, and there's a set few billionaires here that I know, and I completely disagree with their ways because they've monopolized the city for their own gain. And I... I mean, I don't even for for the Detroit folks that are going to eventually listen to this. You guys know who this is. <laughs> oh, <no>. T Phil. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's wrong that people like you know. Yes, you're right. Men will men will probably accept it more to be different, you know, in terms of people's interests. But like, I quite frankly can tell you, like, if I found a girl that likes cars, I would think that's very hot. Like, like, I like that. Like, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, like, you heard it, you heard it here first. Yeah. So I, sorry. Yeah. I, I think, I think, um, I think everyone should have their own interests. Like, I, I don't think there's like a, a, a gender attached to anything, quite frankly. Yeah. It, it's, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's definitely more about like, realizing that people do attach that because i would not call like you don't like for someone who has left Mm -hmm. the middle east you like most of us went through this process of like i don't know detaching Mm -hmm. ourselves from like the weird social stuff that we were taught oh yeah Mm -hmm. so but the fact the fact is that probably back in the uae um that's a little that's a little trickier right (sighs) i agree Men have men have freedom that women don't, which I think a lot of people can acknowledge. Um, but I, I would argue that men like men have a lot of freedom to like what they mm-hmm. want, but I think there's restrictions in places like the UAE. Sure. And there are restrictions on women too, way more restrictions on women. I'm not right. gonna go into it. <laughs> yeah. But still, you know, like um like 
the the kind of like vibe that we have on this podcast, I would say is a little non-typical. And I don't know if I were still living in the Middle East, how much of this would actually like shock me and blow my mind, right? So you think like, you think people would maybe resonate with this now, like in today's day and age, like being in the Middle East, or you think it's still like stuck in the past? Like, cause we... I think they would be willing to hear it. Oh, absolutely. Which is a little different from before, but I don't know that they would agree with it. You saying yeah. that gender, there's no gender attached to anything, of course is true because gender is just like- A social construct. Exactly. I mean, like, it's just all social construct. And, you know, we've all been conditioned to express ourselves differently. Like, and um, I think maybe people will be more willing to listen to that. But we definitely grew up in a society where the gender roles were not so much enforced, but they were there for us to absorb. And plenty of us did. I mean, um, like, you know, I um, knew it, of course, was just like, I don't know, went off the rails ASAP because it's nude and she was like, oh, I, I gotta like, I gotta go into like punk fashion. Yeah. Um, but, Girl, I've yeah, been trying and, you know, to go into punk fashion for years, but I just kept being told that it was unladylike to have chains <laughs> and spikes on things. This is what I'm saying. I'm saying that like- It's, it's all about preference in the end. It's like- what do you, you. It's, it's all about preference. Because for me, I kind of like grappled with my own fashion journey because sure. I- like to like present as like hyper feminine but mm-hmm. i can't help but be like is that me or is that like the secret social constructs from back home you know sure. what i'm saying and i think it's so, more it's more common nowadays but it's unfortunate because the people who are allowed to do that are the people who are like influencers like let's say billy eilish like that's very mm-hmm. like she's that punk rock look that Wait, you know noor is going for billy i yeah. billy i love billy to death but that girl is not a punk child not, she's not like, yeah, she's grunt. more grunt. I should say, yeah, more grunt. But like, uh, yeah, I sorry, I apologize. I don't mean to. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're you're right in that regard. But what I'm trying to say is like, she can do something like that where you know it's more you know, like That's you said, true. associated with like a male mm-hmm. gender mm-hmm. solely because of her success. And it's sad to think yes. that because it's like she. You look at it. I watched an interview about her the other day. It was like how she. Mind you, she came from like a family that, or I believe her dad was a very, very famous agent um, in Hollywood. So obviously, he got her to where she is. But I like to see that the video is she was uh, she was very humbled because she did a, a interview with the same questions a year from the day. Oh, she did. I saw that one. I cried and, so much. Yeah, it's kind of sad because I was like, damn, like I don't think she really wanted the fame like she like she thought she, she didn't. Did. She didn't. Um, and she's still humbled. Like she's still like a good person, I think. Like I I respect her, not that I like really listen to her. I I like some of her songs, but like you know, even though she grew up in that environment where she kind of got given the the like the you know, ability to actually become who she is today. I still think mm-hmm. she has that, the right way of thinking of being herself and like not yeah. associating, or for example, gender to specific like things that she's interested in. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think it all comes down to like what your position and stature is in life, which kind of sucks. Um, yep. Hopefully we can change the narrative behind that, but um it's really just power and numbers. Like people just need to think this way. I think people just are so, like we said, like they divulge too much in social media. It kind of clouds their judgment, allows them to stop thinking about like what's actually going on around them and the social interactions that they have. Um, 
I think, yeah, like I think social media is a huge drug. <laughs> like it's like a big, it's just sedates you. Um, personally. Yeah, I agree. I have like, I have like one question, which I don't know, Nude, are you like done with your questions? <laughs> Sorry um, if I went off topic, but I um, actually, no, that's okay. I only had one question that I wanted to finish up with. So she sure. should go right ahead. Okay, let me ask mine because we have been very critical of like celebrities and hypocrisy on this episode, Mm -hmm. as we should. Um, But it's uh, it feels like, and you know, you you have like Jordan who doesn't even look at celebrity Instagrams, right? For the most part, yeah. For the most part, like he tries to stay away. He actually mutes a lot of a lot of pages, including people that is in in his social circle, just because you know they're either clout chasers or. Yeah, you know, they're just trying to like get likes, exactly. right? But for for the success of your brand, how much of it is hinged on getting your clothes on those celebrity bodies? So, we actually we okay, so we have had altercations with people we do know that are from Detroit mm-hmm. or that are famous, but how we look at it nowadays is I would rather much rather meet someone who isn't famous but it has the talent and ability and is on the growth potential and in the direction of becoming famous and i don't and it's not about fame it's about success in this regard and i i don't mm-hmm. and i don't mean to like sound ignorant like it's more like that's what we're trying to do we're trying to be successful you know like if we can mm-hmm. be successful we can make an impact and i'm hoping that the people we meet along the way have that same vision so a lot of the things that we do today like we don't really like it would be great to get a cosign. I think like we've thought about it and flirted with the idea of like sending people stuff, but we also aren't a we're not a believer anymore in just sending things for free because people will just trample on you and just keep asking for free stuff instead of actually mm-hmm. respecting you and your hard work and they quite frankly they have a lot of money and success so it's like it doesn't take much for you to be like hey here like I respect you like here you go. So like Recently, like we got featured by Demetrius Harmon, who's a like kind of like a Vine um, celebrity that he got famous mm-hmm. for doing like, you know, famous videos. But he actually respects Jordan heavily because he actually does. Um, he has his cl- own clothing line called um, uh, You Matter. Um, it's a very it's, it's an up and coming brand. Um, and I like what they stand for. I mean, like he's like literally donating a lot of the funds that he makes every time he releases a drop his his constant messaging is be better, like, you know, do better. Um, and mm-hmm. he supports us and he's, you know, he's got 2 million followers. So like the, something like that to me is more important than like, you know, a rapper that's just, you know, going to get you a lot of likes. And quite frankly, I've seen a lot of brands that, you know, push their stuff out to those rappers while they get a lot of likes. It doesn't seem like they escape that clout community. Like I would rather have, repeat customers that know who I am, even if it's just in one city and like that mm-hmm. keeps up business for hundreds of years than someone who's just a, a facade or like a, a temporary trend in the industry. Like that's not what we're trying to build here or do here. Like the, it's again, the messaging behind the brand is a lot bigger than us. And we, we do like with who we want to have represent us. We, we are very selective. Like if I would want to like have a celebrity wear our stuff, it would be someone like Jaden Smith because he's huge into the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. he created a, a water company that um, was supposed to help, you know, it was essentially helping Flint, Michigan's water crisis. Like I need people like that who, nice. and I've been seeing, and I've been seeing that more in the youth. And that's why I'm a firm believer in like, it's sad because I still consider myself pretty young. Like I am 24, but 
um, I did come here at 16, so and I went to college early, so I, I did have to like adopt a more mature outlook. And I don't believe that age is some you know symbolic of maturity levels because you can grow and go through things at a, a very different pace. And I think celebrities like are you know they're they're talked about harshly about how they act and stuff. And I you know it sucks. Like I can't imagine that kind of fame, like that kind of pressure. Like I don't know. Yeah. I, I have never I've never lived it. And I don't know what's happening at home behind closed doors either. Like there's still kids, some of these, you know, these people. Yeah. So, so I feel, I feel like if it's someone like a Jaden Smith or someone that's just up and coming and has the same kind of values and just like is open-minded about just talking about important topics to me, like that goes a long way. And that's who I would want to work with. Um, because yeah, it's not about fame. It's not about six. It's about hard work, persistence, and just like passion in my opinion. Mm, I like okay. that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I had one last question. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need a long answer to this one, but it's a necessary question considering the title of our podcast. Mm-hmm. What is the title? I'm sorry. I did not catch that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's sustainable fashion with Amal. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I meant, I, meant, uh, I meant the name. Gotcha. Did you, mm-hmm. Ahmad? Upon deciding to embark on the journey of starting a business, yes, did you tell Baba? <laughs> and how did you feel about it? So, yeah, I actually did not tell my Baba, and that's the beauty <laughs> of the title of your business because I know my Baba would have not accepted it at the time. Not because of like what I was doing; it's just like he would maybe think like I was immature about it, like. Like he saw me actually spending a ton of money on fashion, but like, I don't think he understood why, like, it's not even about why I did it. It was just like my interest in it. Like, you know, people spend Mm. money on guitars because they were a musician or whatever. Like, even if they had one, they wanted five. It didn't matter. Like you just keep, you just kept doing Mm. it. So I, for, for him, I think uh, I was still like, you know, I was still like trying to go through my CPA process. I just didn't want him thinking I wasn't going to still accomplish the things that, he knew I was setting out for myself and I didn't want, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to let him down um, because, you know, he did work a lot to, to, to get me to where I needed to be um, Mm -hmm. from both a financial sense. You know, I was lucky enough to have to go to, you know, go to school without, you know, any student debt, which is unheard of. And I'm, I'm very, I, I, I look, I look at people who do have to go to school and have debt and work, you know, day in, day out. So like I treated school like a job, like it was my nine to five. Like I was, if I, if I was going to school, I was getting an A, like that was my goal. Like, and thankfully with that mentality, Mm -hmm. I was able to graduate top of my class of two majors and have a three, nine, eight GPA. So because of that, um, I wanted to continue that and I just wanted to make my family proud. So it's funny that you say that because I, kind of devoted the, these last three years of working full-time and working on the brand and the CPA. Um, and I said I wouldn't go back to Abu Dhabi um, and visit like friends and family until I felt internally like accomplished. Um, and I still have a lot a lot of work to do um, and a long way to go. Like I have a lot of goals for 2020. But I, I think my parents, like my mom was just like, oh, that's cool. Like she, you know, my, nice. my mom wasn't like shocked uh-huh. because she just knew that I liked fashion and stuff. But my dad, like, mm-hmm. I think he still saw it as more of like a social slash, you know, like a kind of just like a hobby, a like thing. a fun thing, but like not, 
Oh, yeah, like a like frivolous yeah, not, pursuit. Not something, mm-hmm. not something that was actually thought about. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't have all the answers initially. Like, I didn't think I was going to start a clothing line. I didn't think it was going to be environmentally friendly. I didn't think I was going to have the views I had today. And we've only been operational since September 26th of 2018. So we just had our one-year anniversary not too long ago. But um, Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's amazing, like, what we've been able to do as a team. Like, just, like, even, like, from a simple small business, like, level um i'm very proud of what we've been able to do there's a lot of work to be done still um hopefully you know we're actually working on a very cool project that actually is um involving uh the middle east and what's happening today and i think you guys will really like that um we're gonna make a whole campaign behind it um is it about the soda everything everyone um, i'm so excited yeah. i'm so excited it's not it's not just about lebanon it's not just about iraq it's just about like like our brand, we are hoping that what we could talk about is the past, present, and future. And I'm, my plan is to hopefully do a, um, or what we want to do as a team is basically showcase different stories um, at different nice. at different age groups and how it like all led up to where we are at today. So past, present, future. Um, I think it's very important to talk about all those time periods, especially when it relates to the Middle East, because we, as we know, the Middle East is a very complex and everlasting mm. story. So um that's that's what we're you know planning for 2020 and you know i'm still planning on possibly moving out to la shout out shushu Uh, hopefully i can see you out there um oh yeah i'll still be here (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good so yeah and i'll join you both as soon as i can are you trying to move out there not actively why not but she thinks about it she dreams about it it's something that i fantasize about when i'm sitting (laughs) yeah i think I Alone. think too, like <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I'm doing today, like I didn't care to like tell my dad because I'll be honest, like he's taught me a lot of things, but I think there's that time where you just like realize that you have to separate yourself from your parents and their ideologies and just grow and just like figure it out the hard way. If, even if it is wrong, oh, you know, so, mm, oh man, oh man, so, that's yeah, a conversation that. in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, yeah, I decided to just do it and I've, I am glad I didn't look back or, you know, and like, I'm, I'm still 24, but I, I'm a firm believer that if you don't try anything between your twenties and early thirties, like it's going to get kind of late, especially when you start having responsibilities, like, you know, having a significant other or having children or having a job that's very like, if you, you know, quit it or like you don't enjoy it, you will really hinder your, you know, ability to live life with those significant others, whether it's your children or your, you know, wife. Mm -hmm. So I don't want, I don't want to commit to anyone like either. Like that's why, like, for example, even dating life, like I've, I've, I'm giving, I'm waiting for a reason for a girl to like prove me wrong and say like, this is the one, but at the same time, I'm not actively seeking because I would rather better my, my situation and myself first so that I can be prepared for what's to come. You know what I mean? Because that's it's only fair to, to that other person as well that I could commit to them in the right moment and right time, I think. And I, if, that's, yeah, I mean, your future, if that's selfish, I'm sorry. Your future, <laughs> no, your future partner will be grateful for the time that you took to grow independently yep. of mm-hmm. them. 
Yeah, I think Nude and I both think that that's like a very crucial thing for everybody Especially to for men. attempt to do. Especially for men. <laughs> don't, don't get us started on that shit. I'm gonna just go out there. You know, I've been I've been telling everybody like someone needs to help men, and I don't want it to be me for like. Oh, I do. Reasons. I do tell them. You know, like I lived with three women my entire life. Another thing, like I yeah. lived with my. You, can you go out and help them? Can you like do a? F- can you do like a fun TED hey, talk or something? Hey, I'll, so be, that- I'll <laughs> be honest. It's not just men. It's also women these days. Like you can't, you, and I, and I hate to bring the, like the two gender, like, you know, issue, but I, I'm a firm believer that everyone's just stupid nowadays. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what gender you are. Everyone's just an idiot and they just don't think. And, it, and, I, and like, we are too. Like we like sometimes, and it's, you know why? Cause we let emotion get in the way of like logical and realistic thinking sometimes. And I don't, and that's where like, okay, I draw the line. I'm like, all right, you're just acting like an idiot here. Like, <laughs> Aww. Yeah, I think you. I think you need more. Need to help men by <laughs> telling, by like expressing that to them that um, you know it is important that they be that they are self sufficient and able to take care of themselves, and you can function as an individual because you see so often where like their girlfriend is like their mom. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, like where, where all women the time, the past literally in the all the time. Not so much no. that, but like he can't do laundry, he can't cook, he can't clean, and she does all that stuff. Oh, no, but I you having lived, I have to do all that. Yes, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying needs to be taught to men, or like you know how to approach women in a way that isn't totally creepy and has us like reaching or, for the pepper spray, <laughs> or how not to take advantage of women's vulnerabilities and interests if you feel as though you are not in a space to commit to them. So exactly like you just said, Ahmad, if the right person comes along, fantastic, but you're not looking right now because you don't have the time to commit to a woman. Right. Great. That, just that, if you could get up on a TEDx stage and just say that sentence, I feel like that would be super helpful. Like I said, it's not that I can't commit, it's just a matter of like, again, give me a reason to, you know, like it's not, it's not that I can't because I, okay, so we didn't even get to this point, but I, I will, I will like end this last point. A lot of people yeah. just don't have respect for one, my time or just people's time in general these days. And that's yeah. where, yeah. that's the issue nowadays. So it's like, you know, if I go out of my way and tell a girl, Hey, let's like go out for example, or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to mm-hmm. even get to know you. Like, let's start as friends. Like, we'll see where this goes. They're mm-hmm. interested. And then like last minute, it's like, you just back out. So it's like, for me, like when you say you're busy, that's so disrespectful, especially when you're like, for example, and I'm not, I don't mean to knock anyone, but like, if you were doing such a simple job, I'd be like, okay, so I'm not busy, huh? Like, is that what you're telling me? Like, no, because it mm-hmm. sounds like you don't respect, you know, what I have in my life. And I always tell people the one characteristic I look in someone, whether it's a male or female, is respect my time because time is precious, as corny as it sounds. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. don't have time to waste because literally anytime I'm spending with someone else other than my family, which is very limited these days, is mm-hmm. uh, is some time that I lose or money even financially. It's like, you don't get like what I'm doing for you by just giving you an hour or three or four or whatever a night even mm-hmm. by like I, I I lose sleep like I don't I don't like I literally my daily routine is you know during the work week is waking up every day at 5 a.m. I work out with RD every morning then we go we go home shower we go to work we work all day from like basically eight to six sometimes I, I work a lot yeah. and then um, I go back home, I work on the brand or I used to study at the, uh, you know, when I was doing the CPA and then I would repeat it. So mm-hmm. it's like, really, I'm only getting like five to six hours of sleep. And, you know, I feel bad because I come home 
you know, my family is here and I'm like, while I'm physically here, I'm just not here. Like my, my mind's just all over the place. And it's like the one time I do want to enjoy myself and go out or meet people or socialize. If I don't feel like I'm getting that reciprocated energy, I'm just like, damn, like, what did I do wrong? And it's usually like nothing. It's just that person is just, I don't know what's wrong with them. Like, like I said. Yeah, I mean, flaky, flakiness isn't okay, basically. No. Flakiness isn't okay. No. It's, uh, you're right. I'm noticing a lot of reciprocation um, as one of your like core values. Yeah. And I, I appreciate and respect that. Yeah. You want to see as much passion, as much time, as much energy. Yeah from whoever you're interacting with. And I think that that's perfectly fair and respectable. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, you, yeah. people should match your energy. That's totally and fine. And it's fine and because I quickly, the, the lucky thing is I have a firm, I'm a firm believer that that's just God's way of saying like, that's not the person for you. Like, even if you yeah. try, you can't change someone. But that's why I'm like, all right, like, I just need someone, even from like just a personal friendship, like I need someone who has their shit together and knows what they want in life. I can't, I can't deal with indecisiveness anymore. Cause like, <laughs> you don't want to be raising anybody right now. No, like I, <laughs> like, no, not at all. Like I, I have enough stuff going on and the people around me have enough stuff going on. So it's like, why do I have to deal with that too? Like, you know, um, it's just, it's unfair, I think. And it's like, you know, as much as I want to be there for someone like emotionally and mentally, like I can do that. But like, it's only fair if you're reciprocating the same for me, you know, what I mean, and I absolutely and I agree with that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> totally. Um, Ahmad, yes. thank you so, so, so much for joining us today. This has been wonderful. Thank you. I agree. Yeah, I, thank you. I really do appreciate what you guys are doing. I think you're gonna kill it. Um, I'm very excited Aww. for what the future holds for you guys. Um, Aww, you know, and you. if I could help in any way, like I'm also a big proponent of that. Like I'm, I'm passionate about helping people in any capacity um, because I look at it like this. If you help someone, like you're naturally like growing like indirectly. And then you never know, Agreed. like in the future, someone like will be like, oh, Omar did this for me. I can help him out in this. So mm -hmm. I agreed. It's just, it's, it's never a give. It's never a take situation. It's always has to be a give. I think. Um, I agree givers. with you. <laughs> well, Ahmad from one set of givers to another giver, this is our community and we will be here for each other whenever we need each other. Yeah. How does that sound? I love that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Ahmad. We are going to kick you out now and go into our outro. Peace out. <laughs> this has been yet another episode of Don't Tell Baba. We hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll stick around for more. Our music is by a different Ahmad on Fiverr. His <laughs> username is ch6k0r. Post-production is done by News Husband Mike. Thanks, Ahmad and Mike. Thanks, guys. So for more shenanigans, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBabaPod. Um, for Ahmad's brand that we just discussed, you can find them on Instagram at d.w.s. Dot e, which stands for destroy world, save earth, but with a period in between each letter. For more shenanigans, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Baba Pod. If you want to drop us a line, call us at 530-32-HEADOM, just 42726. See you next week. And remember, don't tell Baba. Love you, Shu. Love you, Noor. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>